Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, I hope you're well. Thursday night again, Mark O'Hare here from We Love Betting. Joined as ever by the most Yorkshire bloke I know, Tom Love. And we also have the guy who wishes he was from Scandinavia too, Will Dyer. <laughs> Hope you're both well, chaps. Um, Before we get into the main stuff, uh, I'm still on a quest to let the listeners learn a little bit more about your your worlds that you experience and learn a little bit more about you two too. So I'm going to go over to you, Tom, first. If you were looking to take a date out and around your local area, where would you be? Where would you be going? Solterre, I think, looks like a a lovely little spot where you're from, but I'm guessing we're going for a a nice countryside walk or, or something along those lines. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, you, you've got to end up in a in a beer garden, whether that be at the tram shed or um, maybe go down to Roberts Park. Really nice around there. They've kind of redeveloped it and you can walk on there kind of into Bingley. Back on the canal and go for a pint at the boathouse, which is right on right on the River Air, which is lovely, lovely little spot. Then... Um, probably go out later on to the terrace which is on the, on the high street a lovely little restaurant there kind of very um very old-fashioned me i'm not into this cinema and bowling and all this rubbish so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be quite flatter <laughs> um, so yeah um pub, pubs and uh, a nice restaurant for me yeah the tram shed sounds interesting yeah well it, it it is actually an old tram shed that got redeveloped. It, it's changed its name now, but we still call it the tram shed round here. It's been taken over by um, another firm, but it's it's not the same. But yeah, there's a, there's a few nice pubs up around Salter. If you're ever in the area, give us a shout and um, I'll let you know where to get to. And where to get the discounted drinks as well, being a bit of a celebrity. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Right, same question to you too, Will. I know you're a Londoner these days, but let's go back to your roots. What are we doing in Swindon? Are we driving around the Magic Roundabout, taking me oh, to the Albert Centre for some shopping? I was getting ready for an answer about somewhere in somewhere in London. <laughs> no, 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 not allowed that, mate. We're going to Swindon. Oh, maybe we'd go for a nice romantic walk around Cote Water Park. Um, not uh, the way I say that, it makes it sound like it's a water park. It's not. It's just called Cote Water and it's a park. <laughs> but with a nice lake in the middle and an old diving board that's been out of use since the 60s uh, <laughs> that's probably as good as it gets in Swindon mate I had some nice things lined up for a London answer but don't worry about it no no London's too easy you're not getting out of that that easy mate right uh, let's get into it then uh, the Manchester Derby is of course the big one from the Premier League which we're contractually obliged to cover this weekend, it's on Super Sunday, Man City around about 4-7, to 1.57 best price, Man United 11-2. to two. I sound like a bit of a broken record, but for me, opposing goals probably looks the, the smartest solution from the outset. Um, I think if you can get under three goals on the Asian line, that's anything bigger than 1.7, I think you're in a decent position. We know Man City have the potential to easily dispose of anyone right now, but I do think United can keep this game reasonably competitive as they have done in the past um, we know all about their containing counter approach but they have struggled defensively in these big matches too uh, they haven't actually scored from open play against any big six teams this season that's a, a seven game sample which is pretty poor um, so Tom how do you see this one playing out 
Yeah, that's an incredible start, that one I've not heard before. Um, yeah, you just do wonder if it's going to be another another snooze fest on, on Sunday because you've mentioned how bad these kind of big six games have been and it, it's getting to the point where it seems a bit strange because it's not like there's a massive title race going on. Um, it's not like teams have loads to play for. But I do suppose it shows just how important it is to these teams to get Champions League football and, and the revenue and um, and the kind of attention that that brings. So, yeah, I, I can completely understand where you're coming from with the unders on that. It, it would be my angle in two, but um, I understand that United away from home, we, we kind of talked about them about a month or so ago in a game we covered. Uh, and their away form was just goal, goals galore, goal ridden, and you can't really get away from back in BTTS and all. In recent times, it, it's really, really turned on its head, and a few really drab games, that one against Palace, another awful 0-0, uh, the game against Chelsea, the 1-0 at Burnley. So, yeah, I would prefer backing against goals especially with Man City generally being quite defensively decent but they're, they're turning it on now going forward as well uh, scoring four against Arsenal was it four against Wolves as well and their data has been unbelievable to be honest I was just looking through it uh, kind of racking up almost three expected goals in half the games uh, in recent times in the last kind of 10-12 games which is great efforts, and we all know how good they've been at the back, but I've kind of been put off by backing City winter nil and stuff, purely from a price perspective. Um, obviously, West Ham got a goal, and they actually won the XG battle around 1.8 to 0.8 in that game, I think it was. Um, they definitely won it and posted almost 2 XG. So, And then, then obviously, they conceded against Wolves as well from that set pace and Cody getting on the end of it. So I wouldn't really want to back under two and a half goals. The under three line would be something that would tempt me in. But I think it's probably a little too short now. So I kind of looked at the one by two as well. It's a bit of a minefield. Um, I, I can't really pick apart any of the prices being that wrong. Um I was trying to think of backing Man City to win at full-time, but it to be a draw at half-time. But then I looked in their record, and they seem to be uh, winning at half-time in a hell of a lot of their games. So it's kind of everything I've looked into put me off. So I'm going to go into a real different market um, in the props for this one. Uh, You can get it with a few firms, actually. I'm surprised how many price this up. Uh, and it's it's all to do with offsides, and particularly for Marcus Rashford, if he's starting on the left or if he's up front. Now, he's 10 to 11 with Skybet to be offside for at least once in this game, which I thought was nice. He's around 4 to 5 elsewhere, Coral and uh, Poker Stars, Ladbrokes, all going around 4 to 5 on that. But I love the 10 to 11. Uh, United have seen the second most offsides in the league this season, just behind Burnley, strangely. Um, uh, they've had 63 in 25 games. 
And Rashford's been offside on average one one per game this season. He's played quite a lot of football. So I was surprised that given Manchester City play quite a high line, they're not going to be deep like a, like a Burnley or a Crystal Palace or a Newcastle. They're going to be much higher up. And um, that made me think that there's probably a bit a bit of juice in the 10 to 11 about him to be offside because you'd probably expect that price if they were playing a, a team with a deep block, but they're not here. So 10 to 11 looked really good to me. He's been offside in each of his last four games. He had two or more. He had two offsides, sorry, in that game against Palace midweek as well. Um, he's picked up three or more offsides in three games. And they were against Leicester, Brighton and Liverpool, all teams that play quite high as well. So I'm I'm just gonna kind of set kind of set your stakes accordingly here. I'm I'm gonna take him for one offside at ten to eleven with Skybet. I'm gonna take him for two offsides at seventeen to four, so it's just above four to one with Coral. And he's uh, eighteen to one for three or more with Coral. So I kind of split your stakes whether it be kind of a, a 60, 30, 10% split, something like that. Um, there's plenty of kind of tools where you can work out like the optimum that you can get out of this. But as long as you're kind of making money, if he has one offside, and then you've got the other two running for you, uh, that's how I'll be playing this one. Um, he, he was offside in the last meeting between these two as well. So, yeah, I, I think that that's a kind of a canny way into a game that's not, really screaming much value out to me. I mean I'm I'm I mean ca- cards could be on the agenda. I think Will possibly might come on to that. Um if I was looking at someone it might be Kyle Walker if he plays uh, seems to get away with quite a lot. He's he's committed the most fouls to Man City uh, of anyone who's started ten or more games this season. And if he's on that right hand side against Rashford, he, he couldn't be in for a quite hard time, so it kind of depends on if he starts or not, he rotates his fullbacks quite a lot, uh, so I'll wait on that but his price will be quite decent if he's around 7-1 to one or bigger but yeah, the Rashford offsides angle will be my main player here um, as, you, as you said Mark, it's quite a difficult game to uh, screen any value out of in the kind of more generic markets yeah, it is, but I think you found a, a nice and interesting angle there for us to, to follow you in on, really. So uh, over to you then, Will. What's your take on the on the Manchester derby? Yeah, I'd echo a lot of the stuff about it being potentially um, quite a boring game again and maybe not a whole <laughs> lot of value around. And yeah, like you say, I mean, there's a seven, seven nil-nils now this season for Man United and uh, a nil-nil at Selhurst Park the other night, a nil-nil at Old Trafford in this fixture... Nil nil at Anfield when United went there, and at Emirates when they went there. So, um, to be honest, I think it's probably worth a better interest at fourteen to one. Um, to be honest, I think that's maybe a little bit of value. Um, but I'll, I'll get into the the rest of it first. Um, yeah, I mean, City drew one one at West Ham um, after that nil nil. At Old Trafford, and then since then they've won 21 in a row in all competitions, haven't they? And set records all over the place. 28 games unbeaten in all competitions now matches that club record. Um, it's, it's. I don't know. I was watching uh, the highlights of their game, and I was quite surprised at how um, 
motivated they are still. I, I guess they don't think they've wrapped up the title quite yet, but they pretty much have now after Man United's draw in midweek. And it, I guess it's just coming down to the fact that they really want to keep this this winning run going and, you know, set some sort of all-time records. And if you're winning 21 in a, in a row, keeping that going, I guess, is a, a motivation enough to win the next game and the next game. So um, I don't think they'll necessarily let up or start to turn take their foot off the gas really um judging by the reactions from pep and the players after after that um game in midweek and wolves gave him a bit of a scare maybe for a little while um but in the end there was sort of three goals came out right in the last 10 minutes um looking at sort of possession um city only had margin marginally more of the ball when they these guys played each other in december um, but I reckon they feel they're in more in a groove now. Like if we go back to that December game, psychologically, I expect United will have less confidence than they did have back in December. It was actually quite a different kind of context back then. And now with, since that match, everything has kind of gone all City's way. So I expect that they will, City will have a bit more of the ball than they had previously um, and probably be less I don't know, frustrated, but that could mean that United really sit in more and, and a nil-nil could be on the cards if we're lucky with probably going to require some City failures in front of goal. But um, I wouldn't say it's it's out of the realms of possibility at 14-1 to 1 anyway. Um, one thing I'd like to look at was um, set-piece-based set, set stuff. Um, obviously, De Bruyne is back and, and Mares as well, really great from set-pieces with his delivery. Um, United have conceded 10 goals from set pieces this season, which is the third most in the league. And City have scored 10, which is the fourth most. Um, and I, there's been a bit of a goal glut since um, these guys met in the EFL Cup uh, as well. And, and John Stone scored in that fixture. Um, and he's scored a few other goals now in, in the league. And, and Diaz has chipped in and Cancelo is chipping in. And so their defensive players are kind of, stepping up a bit more from set pieces. Um, John Stones is 14 to one to score any time at that fair and Paddy power. He's playing every other game um, in the last six weeks. So like Tom said, he's been rested and what well, they're, you know, chopping and changing the wing backs as well as the center back. Um, so he's rested against Wolves. So he's pretty much expected to start. Um, and yeah, I'll have a go at that 14 to one on him to score anytime with that fair and Paddy. Um, Otherwise, yeah, I think the money has come for City already. They shortened into about one to two now. I'd probably still make that a bet, I guess, um, given the fact they've won 21 in a row. But um, I'm not going to tip that or, or bother with any handicaps. Um, and Tom hinted at cards. It's Anthony Taylor. Um, and I've been really put off by cards in the Premier League in the, um, in the last few weeks. It's just been so many games without even a single booking and um he's given three or fewer cards in all of his last five games he's averaging 2.67 per game um so it's just i don't know i, I don't want a chance that uh any sort of like eruption of cards in this one and, and on penalties as well i mean we were pointing at him weren't we earlier in the season and he was a bit nuts earlier in the season but 10 pens in uh 18 games overall, but he's only given four in his last 15. So majority of those penalties came in the first three matches he refed. And since those rule changes, um, it's, it's, it's died down a lot. So 
just that long shot on John Stones to score any time for me at 14 to 1. Actually, go on. I'll put the nil-nil as well because I'll, I'll curse <laughs> Kevin pointing at that too too many times. 14 to 1, I'll try that as well. Nice. Some nice long shots from the guys on a game which is quite tricky to call uh, on Super Sunday, the Manchester derby. But let's uh, let's move on now. Uh, Tom put his customary poll out on Wednesday to see which game he wanted us to preview from outside of the Premier League. We had quite a few folk actually saying we should have covered more than just one European game this weekend because the standard was was so high, uh, which is probably a fair enough suggestion. So if you're lucky, guys, that they might have something up further up their sleeve later in the show. I don't know, but uh, potentially we will do. But uh, we're going to focus on De Classica, Bayern against Dortmund, which won the vote playing in Munich on Saturday evening. Bayern were around 4-6, to 1.66 this morning. Thursday morning. Rare you'll ever see Bayern as big as that against Dortmund at home. Certainly in the in the recent seasons, Dortmund around nine to two. Uh, I have a reasonably strong view on this one. Um, so if I may, um, I just think Bayern have shown that when the pressure is on in the matches that matter, they can produce the goods. Um, we saw in the Champions League away at Lazio. I know Lazio gifted them a few goals, but they were utterly dominant, quite ruthless too. Um, and despite those stumbles against Bielefeld and, and Frankfurt, where Arguably, the squad was quite fatigued from the Club World Cup and without you know, half of their main starters. They're coming into this game with pretty much their first 11 available to them. I think Benjamin Pavard is probably the only one who might be missing. Uh, otherwise, they're at full strength. They've had the full week off. Dortmund have been playing in the Pokal in midweek where they played a full strength side against Gladbach. Uh, so there is a rest advantage there for Bayern. Uh, and they just tend to be pretty ruthless when they put, uh, play Dortmund, particularly in Munich in recent seasons. Uh, many of these matches came when Dortmund were appearing to challenge for the title, or at least contending for a while. And their last five results at the Allianz Arena, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 4-1 and 5-1, all in Bayern's favour. Pretty horrifying viewing if you're a neutral or a, or a Dortmund fan as well. So, yeah, for me, they're, they're still fragile. They're still vulnerable despite the upturn in form. I look at that spine of the side when you're the likes of Hummels and Chan potentially playing at centre-half and Bellingham and Dahoud in the sort of pivot roles in midfield. I just think they're, they're very gettable, especially against a Bayern team who uh, will be you know, eager to make their uh, dominance count, particularly at the top of the table with points still quite, uh, you know, the, the points gap between themselves and Leipzig in second quite tight. So Bayern, I think they're a great price to win in fairness, but uh, if you want something bigger, look to Bayern minus 0.75, basically a three-quarter goal handicap on the Asian line around 1.77, 1.8. Uh, you're making money if Bayern win the game. Basically, a full stakes if they win by two or more, a half stakes if they win by exactly one. Uh, but uh, I'll probably have something a bit more con- concrete for WB Gold members before Saturday. Maybe Tom will too, but uh, once markets become a bit more available there. But uh, yeah, I do fancy Bayern. So over to you, Will. What's your uh, your view on De Classica? Yeah, um, I thought that when Bayern were away at Lazio at four to five, I thought that was a massive price on them against an Italian side. Although, although Serie A has improved a bit lately, um, I, I think that four to six, yeah, could be a little bit of value in it. It wasn't where I was going, to be honest. Um, but um, I feel like the tide is slightly turning at some point back towards Dortmund a little bit. In the at least it has in the games not at the Allianz. They've only gone down three two in the last two two head to heads against Bayern, but. Um, yeah, that that is quite a scary reading, isn't it? For four or more past your your main rivals for the lit title, uh, in f- yeah, in five consecutive games at home. <laughs> um, 
So I, I don't know really. But um, they did slip up a couple of games recently, didn't they, against Frankfurt and Bielefeld? And yeah, like you say, although Dortmund are 13 points behind them, they're just two points ahead of Leipzig. Um, so this is a very meaningful game still for sure. Um, and, you know, any kind of loss here, I expect Leipzig would, would be taking advantage. So um, as usual, this is a meeting between the league's top scoring teams, both averaging well over two goals a game. So it's not really a surprise that the Asian goal line is sitting crazy, really, at 3.75. Um, <laughs> Mad, so isn't it? Sh- yeah, so we should, we should be tuning into this game pretty much. Um, 28 goals in 22 appearances for Lewandowski. So he's just breaking records again there. And um, But I think, I mean, he's sort of like 4 to 11 to score anytime. Uh, against opposition as good as Dortmund, although I agree with you around sort of diff- like personnel issues as well. Um, I can't be back in something that short. I don't think there's any value on him anywhere, really. Um, and although he has also scored at least twice in, in the last five home meetings that we just talked about as well, you can get two to one on that with Betfair uh, on that continuing. But I prefer actually um, Haaland to score. Um two or more at five to one with Betfair or Betway. Um, he's scored in two or th- of um, three games so far in his career against Bayern. Um, and despite sort of, yeah, his struggles, his team's struggles this season, he's actually scored a brace on eight occasions, um, which is more than he scored only one goal on seven occasions. So quite a, a quirk of the data there. I mean, obviously the quality of opposition is going to influence that, but Seems to have like streaky performances in matches. Um, at five to one, I think it's where the value is. I could easily see Bayern scoring, yeah, three or four here, but I expect it'll be quite a end to end game, really. And Holland to score uh, two or more is probably where I think the anytime goal scorer sort of value is. He's evens to score anytime as well, if you, if you prefer that. Um, Edin Terzic is in temporary charge, isn't he? Until the end of the season when Marco Rosa will uh, take over. And Terzic has been at the club since, uh, well, he was at the club in the Klopp era. And then he's since followed Slavin Bilic around for a while. And now he's back with, uh, he linked back up with Lucien Favre in 2018. And he's only 38, this guy. And I I think he's clearly got some football knowledge, um, coaching expertise, got you know, all of his like pro license kind of things like that. And he's uh, maybe a bit more of a, a connoisseur of the game. Um, and during the 16 game period since um, Favre was sacked, Dortmund have performed pretty well on the data, I would say. They're only just marginally behind Bayern, which is, you wouldn't really imagine with the, the size and the, uh, the gap between them. So, so Bayern's XG ratio is 0.63 and Dortmund's is 0.62 over that period. And in fact, yeah, Leipzig topped the charts um, on both expected points and expected goals ratio. Um, clearly, the, does, the data doesn't tell it all, and Bayern are outperforming their data. But um, I think Dortmund maybe have had some some uh, misfortune, both in front of goal and, and potentially with personnel as well. Um, and I was just reading up what Terzic made of the Super Cup and he was he was lamenting like a few chances they had one-on-one with Manuel Neuer um, and then a couple of soft mistakes and they threw those games away 3-2 and, and in the other fixture in the league as well. And um, yeah, as I say, basically, I think I, the fact you, the fact that, what, that, what did you say, they were 9-2 Dortmund, they're, 
it means there is a bit of price on anything pro Dortmund. So with those goal scorer bets, that's what I'm going to opt for. Um, there's no ref announced yet, but again, this is another league where I'm uh, happy to steer clear of cards for now um, anyway. And yeah, Bundesliga can be pretty slow to to make their ref appointments. So yeah, I echo you, Mark, in some ways. I'm almost like trying to trying to disagree with you, but I can't really. Mm. I haven't got enough ammunition to go against it completely. But I think Dortmund will, will get some goals and Erling Braut Holland, he's a absolute monster and he, I'm fairly sure he's still growing. It feels like he is anyway. Mm. So um just amazed by his like agility as well as um poaching just their all round footballer basically. So I'll I'll see if he can do some damage to them here. Yeah, I'm sure he can because that Bayern defence doesn't always look uh, the strongest or the most stable. But uh, what does Tom think? What's your angle for De Classica? Yeah, I had very similar views to you, Mark, at the start, thinking that uh, Bayern's price was quite attractive here. So I kind of I tried to make sense of it, really. Um, did a bit of digging around uh, the, the um, expected goals and uh, shot data rankings that we have on WLB Gold. Uh, he's actually splitting to home and away, which is really interesting. And, and I was wondering like, if there's anything in, in that. And I think there probably is, because Bayern uh, ranks second at home for XG ratio, 70%, which is really strong. Uh, but they are conceding over one expected goal at home. They've only kept two clean sheets at home as well in 11. And Dortmund actually top expected points, expected goals ratio, expected goals ratio from open play all the way from home this season, which did shock me. And they're, they're kind of sitting at a 72% ratio on expected goals from open play away from home, which is interesting. And I can kind of understand where the traders are coming from if they're looking at something like that. Um, I did also look at the the goal line. <laughs> Will mentioned it being that high, and my instant reaction is to go against that. Um, I just think that football generally is a well-scoring sport. And if you're getting anything above 3.5 as a line, then you've got to seriously look at the unders. But um, you look through Bayern's home games, they've seen 8, 7, 5, 2, 6, 3, 7, 3, 5, 6 and 6 goals. <laughs> it's an average of 5.8 goals per game. Stupid. Which is just a, a joke. So the, there's a case that it could even be a line of 4. I know it has been in the past, um, especially given Dortmund's defensive uh, deficiencies. I, I, I watched that game against Hoffenheim a couple of weeks ago, and, and they were just like, a mess. It was embarrassing. It was, it was like League Two defending, uh, even worse. They were, they were just silly passes in stupid areas, individual mistakes galore. And yeah, you mentioned they've got injury concerns. Witzel, Akanji, Zagadou. Pizczek are all doubts. Guerrero might not even play. Uh, and then they've got two poor keepers in Roman Berkey and Mavin Hitz, who are both kind of, they were okay at, like, bottom half teams. I think I think Berkey was at Freiburg. Hitz mm. was at Augsburg, I believe, as well. So they haven't got a proper number one. 
uh, really since since Biden fell and left. It's something that they've got to sort out in the summer. Um, but yeah, whenever you see a line like that, it makes you think, I'll go unders. But then you think, you look at the stats and the market knows what it's doing. I mean, it's priced by sensible people at the end of the day and uh, big syndicates that have all, all the data going. So I don't really want to oppose it. Um, so it, it's quite quite simple for me here. I'm just going to take Bayern to win and both teams to score, which is 6-4 to four with Bet Victor. It's around 5-4 to four in some places. So it's a little bit of value there, I think. Um, as I mentioned, it... Bayern have conceded in nine of 11 home games. They've conceded against Bielefeld. Um, they conceded three against them, actually, which was a bizarre game. I, I tried to back against them thinking that Kern would score and um, and maybe get someone on the handicap, but they still managed to blow them away. So probably a, a poor shout on, the, on my my behalf there. I should have probably just taken the both teams to score. Um because Bayern can just put anyone to the side, even if they've got a few injuries going forward, and like some Nabry isn't in the squad. Sammy's done well. Um, mentioned Lewandowski. Fullbacks get really high. So, yeah, my main bet will be Bayern to win and both teams to score at 6-5. to five. I just can't see them winning to nil, to be honest. Um, it, should, it should be a fun game, but I literally had a, a couple of bets on my on my laptop screen and they've, they've disappeared in front of my eyes on uh, a prop play, which is good thing. <laughs> but um, the, my main, the, my main kind of play in this is, is still there, which is good. And it's uh, to do with, you mentioned Pavard is probably going to be out and it means that Nicholas Sula uh, could be playing at right back, which is out of position. It is big lad. You know, he's not a, his, his body shape is not that of a right back. Uh, <laughs> You're being very, kind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a big brute. He, he's, he's a decent centre-half, was good at Hoffenheim, but he, he is a centre-half, so I'm not really sure why they keep playing him there. But it, it brings up some interesting prices, and he's 19-20 to 20 with poker stars to have two or more tackles in this, which is just a, a great bet, I think. Um He's hit two or more nine of 13 games this season where he's played at least 45 minutes. Um, because Bayern are usually so open, um, the last line of the defence is the defence that isn't a midfield, so the kind of engagement when they come and try and take the ball off the opposition is usually the defenders and not the defensive midfielders, especially out wide. And you've got to imagine Guerrero, if he does start, Sancho should start. I presume he'd be on the left. White's coming in off that side. Um, or even if he doesn't, it'll be Gio Reyna. Sancho and Reyna are the two most dispossessed players in the Dortmund team. Um, so, yes, Sula to have two or more tackles shouldn't be near even money if he plays at right back. Um, he's, he's around five to four, three or more tackles in most places now. There was some nine to four about that on Coral. I was going to put up that and four on our tackles, which was seven to one, which has landed in four of his last eight. 
Um, but yeah, it's literally disappeared in front of my eyes. So yeah, these markets are quite volatile. That's kind of the gutting thing with it. Hopefully, bookmakers kind of get their act together and start laying stuff on this, so we can get some more stability in the prices. But that two or more is still there with Poker Stars. Um, that's probably one of my favourite players of the weekend, which comes in this. You probably won't hear it on any other podcast either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good shout. It's a very ponderous, uh, a ponderous right back, solid centre half, but kind of kind of shape uh, down there. He's going to be pretty busy if Dortmund uh, are on their game, particularly in those transitions. So nice shout there. Let's uh, let's move on then to the business part of the show. Naps, next bests, long shots, and all the rest. We'll start with the latter. Will, what's your long shot, please? Yeah, you hinted at hopefully we would go to some of the other big European fixtures and I'm going to have a chance my arm at something in uh, Atletico Real Madrid derby. Lovely um, stuff. Yeah, huge potential significance this for the uh, title race. Um, clearly with, well, Atleti had a bit of a poor run after a while and Real's form has improved and obviously Barcelona are in around them both as well. But this one, yeah, I'm hoping that there's a lot that there are a lot being uh, riding on this could be quite feisty on the cards front. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's also some other quite interesting stats. The team that scored first hasn't lost any of the previous 30 derbies uh, between these two. Um, I'm feeling Real may, they're actually slight outsiders here. Um, I'm feeling that they will, they might get something out of this. And yeah, I mean, that stat around them taking the lead could could be interesting um but mainly this is a card game um for me atleti have the third worst card record in the league they're averaging two points when i say worst i mean they're given a, they're they're getting the most cards so good for us basically um i'm not going to start laying cards in the madrid derby don't worry and uh <laughs> yeah the third third worst card re- record so they're averaging 2.63 cards per game and real uh just it's tiny for them 1.68 um, I think it's the least. I think they're the least carded team uh, in La Liga. And in terms of cards against, Atleti's opposition pick up the least in La Liga as well, just 1.58 per game, whereas Rails is 2.28. So Atleti having the most cards, obviously, is is an obvious one anyway. Um, and yeah, the prices are are aligned to that. You can get 11 to two on Atleti minus three cards, which might sound a quite a high hand. A high handicap for them to hit but they have done that a fair few times in this fixture over the last few seasons um but more what i'm going to go for is um another one of my my specials where i've laboriously tracked traced through the last 15 um derbies in la liga and uh <laughs> <laughs> um 13 of the last 15 la liga meetings atleti have had three or more cards um which so they're fairly uh reliable on that front and um the ref is alejandro hernandez hernandez um he is uh fourth of 20 refs in la liga this season for yellows per game averaging bang on five so he's again been one that's largely back in the trend around um reduction of cards with no fans um and he actually has never refed a madrid derby in 156 um officiated la liga matches which so nothing really on on him on the head-to-head front that helps make or break the bet but over three cards in the match for Atletico, and then um, each team over zero cards in the first half, 
is seven to two at bet three six five. So it just just gets in by the skin of its teeth for the for the long shot price. Um, it would have won in ten of the last fifteen derbies. Um, so on that basis, you can have seven to two about what should or, or could be a one to two shot. Um, so sixty seven percent chance according to that head to head thing. But obviously, there's more aspects to it than that, and we know no fans has had a bit of a in the decline on this front but yeah i really like what that looks like and um just to remind you yeah over three cards in the match for atleti and each team over zero cards in the first half interesting it's a it's a very important game not just in the way the la liga is set up right now but uh obviously real madrid have the head-to-head advantage and uh, atleti obviously won't want to lose any more of their lead after a couple of wobbles either. So it must, might be a, a must-not-lose attitude from both clubs. And uh, that could lead to plenty of cynical behaviour. Not that the Spanish league needs that even more, but there we go. Tom, your long shot, please. Yeah, we, we backed um, a successful long shot, actually, early in the season in this exact fixture, which is Villa against Wolves. Oh, yes, yes. Um, we you've, have... been, you've been trying to... Trying to leak it to me all day, haven't you? You've been so excited to get this out to the people. I've been yeah. waiting to hear it, so far away. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, I, I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Uh, what, <laughs> what a beautiful day it was. I can remember um, I, I was uh, waiting outside a coffee shop for about half an hour and seeing that come in was just a joy. And it's a very similar bet to what I put up then. It, it was a game that absolutely went off um, in, in terms of kind of fouls and cards. I think there was eight cards in that, two red cards as well. Um, really well-contested fixture. Obviously, we had Mike Dean in charge of that one, which did help. But I put up uh, Leander Dendonka, and Matt Target both to be carded, which was around twenty-eight to one, I think, if I can remember rightly. Um, which has kind of kept me going because I haven't landed a long shot for a while. So uh, I'm I'm hoping something similar happens this weekend. It isn't Mike Dean who has the game; it's Craig Parson. Uh, but he he's okay to be honest. I was looking for his record. There's been a couple where he's given twos but um he's chucked in a, a couple of sixties and eight and uh th- these two will have beef with each other i'm just praying that jack Grealish is back because when he's on the pitch cards do flow in villa games but we did see even at the the game against sheffield united a red card and uh, a yellow for sheffield as well so villa games are usually decent enough for cards and i'm gonna Back uh, another double here, big price. It's forty to one. Forty to one. We bet three six five. Willing to chance it, and uh, it's Serman Dendonka who should be at uh, the right side of a centre half. Three. He he will play in that three. I'd, I'd assume. Uh, they've got a couple of injuries at the back, so he's been filling in there. Quite versatile in that regard. And it just means that he has to cover kind of two positions, really, as, as a centre-half and as a right-back. And if Grealish plays, he'll be on that left-hand side and uh, it'll cause a few problems for him. Then Donker's right up there in terms of fouls per game for Wolves, one of the highest in their team. And 
even if Grealish doesn't play, they'll probably play with Al Ghazi, who, who's another interesting player who can draw quite a few fouls. And I'm not going to go after Matt Target this time. He's a little bit short, but there's a player that I've put up uh, recently, El Mohamedi, who's filling in at right back for Matty Cash. And it, it, he's been carded in two of his last three games, and he's, he's been a big price in both of them, around 8-1. to one. Been clicked in a bit now. I think he is six to one, um, but it just seems to me like Villa don't give much protection to the right back because El Mohamedi's not had a disgracefully bad discipline record over his career, and not really is Matty Cash. And Matty Cash, who usually plays at right back, was a prime candidate for a card. He got carded in that reverse fixture as well. And he had picked up five cards before he went uh, onto the treatment table. So it's kind of followed a trend. And you've got to think who's going to be on that side four walls, whether it be Neto or Adama Traore. Um, so they've got plenty of threats on that side. It's quite an obvious pick. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's two players who could be coming up against really dangerous opposition. They're quite high for fouls and cards this season. Um, it's a game that kicked off last season, uh, last game between them. So I'm hoping that we get something similar here and it kind of pays for the rest of the season because I'm still living off that win. <laughs> Good stuff. Bring on the beef in the uh, West Midlands derby on Saturday evening, I think it is. Um, let's move on to the next best. Not your nap, your next best. I'll stay, stay with you then, Tom, for your, your next best. Weirdly, I'm going to stay in, in the Premier League. I don't usually do this, but I, I was quite interested in this. It it could change a bit after the time of recording because both teams are playing tonight. But I really like the look of under three on the Asian goal line in Liverpool against Fulham at 1.92 with Bet365. So it's around 10 to 11. Um, it... It's just a, a line that's too high for a Fulham game for me. Uh, if you look at how often under two and a half has landed in their games, 70% of games this season. But they, they were still kind of getting to grips with the Premier League at the start of the season. So was Scott Parker, when they were bedding in a lot of new defenders. And since they've kind of had a decent run of games, they've been really solid at the back. Uh, 14 of the last 16 have gone under two and a half, which is probably the most in the Premier League I'd envisage. And yeah, well, I want to give a lot of credit to Parker, to be honest, because they, they did look doomed early on, but they're picking up results and it's all built on a solid defence, which is a clever way to go about it because we, we've not really said that about Fulham. They've made some poor signings in the past at the back and in defensive midfield, but they've got a really good shape about them now. Tosin, Adarabaya and Anderson at the back have been a class above. They've not got enough plaudits, in my opinion. Um, they've only conceded two or more goals in two away games this season. And one was the first away game against Leeds, which ended 4-3. Um, so they've been really solid on the road, actually. And... If they can keep Liverpool to under two goals, I don't see how this doesn't come in because they're not the best going forward. And you know how they're going to kind of set up here. They're going to try try break on them. Um, I don't think they're going to 
pile the pressure on. But I, if you're looking at Liverpool, under two and a half goals has landed in five of the last six at home before this Chelsea game. Um, you've got to remember we are we are recording this an hour before that game kicks off. And 46% overall have seen under two and a half in Liverpool games. So we talk about Klopp and his heavy metal football. It, it's not really been borne out in the results this season. The front three, since Hotter has been injured, they've been not really on it. And at the back, they, it seems like they've got a lot worse. But really, they're, keeping, they're still keeping quite a lot of clean sheets if we look over the course of the season. And I don't think Fulham are going to trouble them too much. So, basically, you make money if there's under two and a half goals here. But we get our stake back if exactly three goals are scored. But the only way you lose your money if there's four or more goals, which has hardly happened in a Fulham game. Um, I think the only time it's landed in the last 11 away was against West Brom, which was a, a 2-2 draw. So... Yeah, very happy to see that line there. Um, more than happy to take that. And 1.92 looks like a good price. I think that that might trend downwards. So happy to take that uh, with Bet365 under three Asian goals in the Liverpool Fulham game. Sounds good. Over to you then, Will, for your next best. Yeah, I'm actually going to have a Premier League uh, next best as well. Um, Brighton Leicester. Yeah. I don't know what's got into us. <laughs> Bright, Brighton Leicester. Uh, Saturday night um, intriguing matchup this one because uh, Brighton are favourites but it, you wouldn't think they would be but it's all about the data really they they sit third on expected points in the last 16 matches where they, they should have supposedly only narrowly behind Liverpool and City on expected points of 29 uh, but they've only managed 16 whereas Leicester are eighth on that metric and they've managed um, they would have expected been 25 I didn't actually calculate how many they've had but it's a lot more than 16 Um even when they have won games in that spell as well, Brighton, they were all 1-0 wins. So they won three of those 16 matches. and But they've been deserving of much more in all of those. Went to Ellen Road and held Leeds to just 0.25 XG. Beat Spurs 1.77 to 0.37. Um, narrowly won the XG at Anfield when really taking the game to, to Liverpool and compounding that sort of Burnley-broken... Uh, uh, unbeaten run misery for, for Liverpool the week later um, and yeah and in, in sandwich in between that beat Fulham on on the XG 2.29 to 0.51 but drew nil nil so they've been super unlucky really if you look at it like this and against West Brom they missed two penalties um, so surely now Neil Morpé will be back on duty and they were horribly hard done by as well by this Lee Mason mishap and um, the pen thing brings me on to the next best actually here with Michael Oliver is the referee and um, like I said earlier we all know what that means um, bit of a box office referee for a Saturday night slot so just how, how we like it or maybe some of us sickly like it I don't know why we like pens but um, he's given 15 in 20 matches uh, although a few of those were games with multiple penalties it makes me think that the a penalty in the match at two to one with bet three six five is value. Um, you can have a go as well um, with bet bet victors bet builder if you want them to some a team to score a pen. You can get that at thirteen to five. But actually, if you sort of infer the probability of a pen being scored 
um, if a pen being awarded is two to one, a pen being scored should actually really be 11 to four. So I advise you if you want to get involved, really, to just stick with a penalty in the match at two to one. Um, Leicester have won the most pens this season with 10. Brighton a second with eight. Uh, Brighton also concede a lot of pens. They conceded, they've conceded seven. Um, although Leicester are a bit cleaner at the back with that uh, with that metric, they've only conceded two, but they did one last week against Arsenal. Um, uh, Schmeichel's obviously quite a good pen stopper as well, so maybe another reason not to bother with the pen awarded. But um, And yeah, these two met in the FA Cup last month. Brighton went off massive outsiders at, at 15-4, to four, but they were rotating their starting 11, um, lost that 1-0. I think Brighton are in danger of having Fulham drag them into the mire at the moment. It would be really quite unfair based on those stats. Um, should give them plenty of motivation to keep playing this good football and results should improve. Um, I was tempted to maybe try and look at getting with them, but I do feel Leicester are a bit of a dangerous animal, especially after a couple worse results from them. So penalty in the match at 2-1 to one, uh, with Bet365. Okay, there we go. Right, best part of the show is the naps. Tom, your best bet of the weekend, please. Gonna go into La Liga for mine on Monday night. Uh, it's one of the farm teams in the league, Real Betis, host Alaves, and they're four to five with William Hill to win, which looks like a nice price to me. I think that that might get a bit shorter around uh, 8 to 11 in most places, so happy to take the 4 to 5. I think they've won 4, drawn 1 and lost 1 in the last 6, and the loss was against Barcelona, who are in decent nick. They've won 6 of the last 8, though, um, in La Liga, nice shape about them with a 4-2-3-1. Kind of been a team that have underachieved, I think, in the last couple of years. Pellegrini, I thought he was going to be on his way out kind of the start of the season. They kept faith with him and he's um, kind of repaying them, I guess, uh, with decent performances and results to back it up. I mean, o- over that eight-game stretch where they've won six, they've actually ranked seventh at XG ratio too. And they've moved up to fifth, if you just look in the last four games. Um, kind of operating a 65% ratio which is really nice and they're coming up against Alaves who are, are an awful team <laughs> to be honest I think uh, they've kind of done done well enough in the last couple of years to survive they've been quite decent and decent defensively but they're not showing that they've got much about them at the minute they've lost three on the bounce again they just can't seem to get any form uh, disappointing loss against Osasuna which is a re- relatively local derby. Um, 1-0 last time out. Lost 4-0 to Sociedad in a Basque derby before that, which is quite embarrassing. And then a 5-1 defeat before that against uh, Barca. Also lost 4-1 against Real uh, relatively recently too. And if you look at the record stretching back kind of nine games, they've lost seven of those in all competitions embarrassed by Almeria in the Copa del Rey 5-0 as well so defensively they look awful and even if Betis don't have the likes of Nabil Fekir back here Borja Iglesias might not be back either 
one thing I do like about Betis is they've got some decent strength in depth. Uh, Loren Modan up front can come in and do a job, kind of show what he's about. And then they've got Christian Teo, who used to be at Barca. Wanmi, too, who is a decent enough player at this level. William Carvalho should be back from suspension, too. So they're looking decent at the minute, Betis. They're coping without Fakir. Defensively, they've been really good as well. Not really conceding more than one goal quite often. And they should just outscore our Betis, who, who are awful. So four to five on Betis to win is my nap. Yeah, I noted that one down as well. I thought it was a very good bet and, and no negativity towards Manuel Pellegrini this time around. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Mental. <laughs> Will, your favourite fantasy of the weekend? Yeah, another Premier League game for me as well. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for that elite Syrian to be back and I can start talking about Norwegian football. But yeah, um, Sheffield United uh, against Saints uh, for me. Uh, I think it's Saturday, not 100%. But yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Saints, uh, last time out against Everton, didn't they did manage to outshoot Everton. Everton haven't had more shots than their opposition since the 6th of December, which is mental. Uh, they, the Saints only managed uh, nine attempts and only one on target, and they lost the XG 1.42 to 0.67. In the form tables, they're actually below Blades, um, at just 0.36 XG ratio over the last 16 games. Obviously marginally influenced by the 9-0 um, against United, but I say marginally because the, yeah, the XG on that was was only five goals for United, not nine. So not completely blown away by that uh, that one-off uh, outlier. But yeah, I, I just was looking at uh, sorry Sheffield United's um, fixture list and they're not mathematically gone yet, obviously. That 1-0 in midweek over Villa um, was a good uh, example of their fighting spirit that we got used to over the, the last couple of seasons from them. And they clung on despite being reduced to 10 men through a ancient Phil Jagielka on the hour. Again, sent off, although I'd argue that that was not a goal-scoring opportunity, uh, denying a goal-scoring opportunity anyway. But um, sides around them are winning a few more games for them in West Brom. But I guess it doesn't really matter what they do it's more about catching Newcastle or Brighton in, in 16th to 17th um, and I think that they they might they might actually manage it they're, they're 12 points behind Newcastle 11 games to go uh, you'd say probably winning any less than five of those and it's over um, but looking at their fixtures um, they go to St James Park in the penultimate game and they they host Burnley on the final day which I think it could come down to those two matches but if you actually look at their um, games at home, they've played um, 14 home games and only four of those have been against sides in the bottom eight. So they have five matches left and four of those, uh, five matches left at Bramall Lane. And um, four of those are against sides in 13 or lower. And this is one of them. Um, I just think it's a real opportunity um, to, you know, they've, they've had it real tough basically over at Bramall Lane and that doesn't help you. I know that we haven't got home fans, so home advantage has been slightly reduced. But I think potentially the fixture list is what's got them down where they are and they couldn't get out of, um, you know, they couldn't kick on. They couldn't get that sort of momentum going by not getting any results at home earlier on in the season. And 
They are missing four centre-backs here, Basham, Egan, O'Connell, and now Jagielka as well. So it looks like they might opt for like a 4-4-2 with Kean Bryan and Ethan Ampadu at centre-back. Instead, they normally play like a 3-5-2. Um, but yeah, Saints have won just one of the last nine games. Um, I don't think they should be evens to, to go here and win. And eight teams have travelled to Bramwell Lane in 2021 and only three of them have won. And they are Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. So again, illustrating just how tough really that fixture has just been relentless hard games uh, for them at home. Um, and now it's going to ease up a little bit. Um, so let's see if they can, they can, if you're a bit mad like me, maybe you can you like the nineteen to one on on yeah on Chris Wilder's men to stay up, but at Betfair and Paddy Power, <laughs> um, it feels like I was probably a lot bigger before last night. So I'm, I didn't look before last night. So maybe we're getting involved a bit too late now. Um, but yeah, they are five to six plus zero point five Asian handicap. So basically double chance um, at Bet three six five. And I just don't really. I I, I know if you look on paper, Saints side. Looks like it has a lot more attacking prowess. We 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 never really consider Sheffield United as an effective sort of attacking unit, um, or we, people don't look at it in that way. But I would question their motivation for for Southampton at the moment. Now they are pretty much safe. Um, you know, I don't think that that's something they need to worry about on thirty points already. But Sheffield United have a lot more um, reason to to really go for it. And maybe if they lost this one, you'd say that is probably it. Um, it's crazy that you kind of come down to sort of your one or two matches really being that vital for points. And that's how I feel like this game is this weekend for them. So five to six for plus 0.5 Asian handicap on, on blades. Good case. Well made. Um, the blades to get something against the saints on Saturday. Right. Um, Got through loads of stuff there. Now's the time, if you haven't mentioned something, it's the time to get it out there. So any other business? Who wants to go first? Yeah, shotgun. Uh, I <laughs> like um, unders at Sunderland Rochdale. Rochdale have scored just one goal in their last seven matches. Um, so I don't think they're going to manage too much against Sunderland. But I watched um, Sunderland Swindon in midweek and I wasn't particularly impressed with them either um they they have the best defensive record in the league and uh they you know they obviously got a hell of a lot more talent than most of the sides in here Rochdale are clearly desperate for points um Sunderland too but yeah there just doesn't really look much reason for unders to be over even money for me given that I don't think Rochdale are gonna contribute to any goals in this fixture so uh, it's just shy of 11 to 10 at bet 365 for for under 2.5 goals. Um, and that's that's my only other business. <laughs> Tom, any business? Yeah, one thing that stood out to me in the championship this weekend, uh, Rotherham, a 7 to 1 at Brentford. And Rotherham, that massive derby win over Sheffield Wednesday midweek, last minute strike by Ladapo was a great goal honestly I think that that could be a turning point for them this season uh, I think they've been very un- unfortunate to find themselves so low in the league and uh, Paul Paul Warren's a manager who is quite interesting when you kind of look at him and, and what makes him tick and he's all about emotion it's all about um, 
stories and stuff like that. So these kind of last-minute winners at vital times in the season can, I really believe it could spark something in them. And that win will give them so much confidence. Uh, They were down to 10 men as well. Um, Big Michael Smith got sent off up front. So they'll be without him, which is a blow. Because they are they are appealing it because it was a contentious decision. Right. Well, if if he plays, I think that um, this bet looks like a nice one. And yeah, just on on Brentford, they seem to be combusting a little bit. Just when I didn't want them to, I've got them on a couple of bets for promotion. And the the loss against Norwich is worrying. They deserve to lose that. I thought and. Um, yeah, they're just not not in the consistent form that they were kind of over the winter. And I do wonder about um, Thomas Frank, how he will cope with this and kind of how, how will they bounce back. Yeah, I just don't... I think he's very... Um, if you've ever listened to the, the Fox Punter podcast, um, which kind of profiles managers, they did one on Thomas Frank and... So he's kind of very process-driven, which is understandable. It, it suits Brentford's style. But when the push comes to shove and, and the outcome becomes the main priority, it, it can kind of possibly be an issue because he's just not got that much experience. And real could be a real clash of styles, this. And, yeah, I look, I look at Rotherham. Nice midfield there. Matt, Matt Crooks, Lewis Wing and Barlasser. That That's genuine championship quality for me and then Ladapo, Joseph Zoon who was at Derby who, who's a nice outlet and the defence always seems to stand up pretty well and I was looking at the performance data actually on our ratings and Rotherham ranked 12th for XG ratio this season so they're, they're creating 1.2 XG and they're conceding 1.22 so there's nothing in their games they've been extremely unlucky and I expect them to start kind of putting points, more points on the board if they keep up these performances. And I just think that that win against Sheffield Wednesday midweek will give them such a boost. And they're coming up against a, a side that's shaking at the minute in Brentford. So I'll take a bit of Rotherham at seven to one with that three six five, where you get an early payout if there's two, if they go two goals up. But my main bet will be. Rotherham with one and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap at five to six, around one point eight three with Novi bet. Um, that's something that was fine for nap material as well, but can understand why uh, people won't want to because Brentford's data is good as we expect. But I think Rotherham have been a, a bit underrated here, and there's more factors than XG player. You mentioned Paul Warren. I saw quotes from him after the Sheffield Wednesday game that compared the yeah. the result <laughs> to a, a Disney film because um, yeah. they were under the cosh for a fair bit of that game, and it was a wouldn't call it a burglary, but it wasn't too far off. But as you say, the psychological effects of getting that result in a six-pointer against one of your local rivals uh, will give them a, a massive feel-good factor for for the weekend. Um, anything else, Tom? No, that's it from me this week. Thank you. Good stuff. Right, loads of stuff we got through today. Loads of really well-researched reasons, suggestions, plays from the lads. Uh, great insight, great knowledge, as always. 
guarantee you won't hear many of that elsewhere either. So kudos to the lads for that. Thank you too to the listeners. Um, as always, your support on social means a huge amount, makes all the hard work worthwhile in terms of putting this podcast together. So if you can share it on social, we'll be much appreciative of that. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks again to the stars of the show, Tom Love. Cheers, Matt. And Will Dyer. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. This has been the We Love Betting Weekend Preview. Chat soon. Bye.